podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. The way that each of the four Gospels is put together often preaches almost as much as what the Gospels themselves contain, the words, the teachings of Jesus, and the miracles. And that's why it's been good over the last four Sundays to go over just one chapter of Mark's Gospel, kind of in order, and see the case that Mark is making by taking all of these teachings of Jesus, which, as John says, are so many that the world couldn't contain all of the books if we wrote them all down, to make specific points about what Jesus has come to do and what Jesus is doing now. The last few weeks, we've been looking at Mark chapter 10. But Mark chapter 10 is really the end of three chapters of Mark and a journey that starts way back in Mark chapter 8. The journey, which goes from Galilee all the way down to Jericho and is going to end with the entrance into Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11, starts and ends with the restoration of sight to a blind man. Now, today we actually heard the last of these healings, but I'd like to go back and look at the first one, the one that kicked off this whole journey narrative that Mark records, starting back at Mark 8, verse 22. And I want to look at both of these in comparison, how this journey starts and how the journey ends, and then, of course, what that has to do with us as disciples of Jesus Christ gathered here this morning. The journey begins this way in Bethsaida, which is way to the north of Jericho, up on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So compare and contrast, like we used to do back in high school, in English class, or French class, or any of your literature classes. The location in Mark chapter 8 is Bethsaida, all the way up at the north, not far from where Jesus is from. And Jesus is making the journey up from Galilee of the nations, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the place on which light has shone on a people who were in darkness and is making his way to Jericho, which is where our miracle for today happens, on the shores of the Dead Sea the bottom of the mountain, which Jesus now has to climb to get to Jerusalem. Back in Mark chapter 8, at the beginning of this journey, as as Jesus is starting out on this missionary trip, the crowds are excited. They love the fact that there's this miracle worker, and they bring this blind man to Jesus. He doesn't actually even ask for healing. But by the time we get to Jericho, it's the man himself who is crying out, and it's the crowds that are rebuking him. Stay silent. Go away. Jesus got more important things to do than to deal with someone like you 
who's been blind. In Mark chapter 8, as I said, the man is brought to Jesus. You can almost imagine him being led along. Where are we going? Oh, just don't worry about it. We're taking you to Jesus. What's he going to do? I think he's going to be able to heal you. But in Mark chapter 10, it's the man himself who's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know your name and I know your title, Meshiach, Messiah, son of David, new king of Israel, and I know what you can do. You can show me the mercy of God. There's a miracle in Mark chapter 8. It's kind of messy. It's got two steps to it. We've got spit. We've got mud. We've got stuff being rubbed on people's eyes. It's kind of gross. We got people looking like they're walking around like trees. And it takes a bit for the whole miracle to get done. But not in Mark chapter 10 at the end. Jesus basically simply says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that's all it takes. Nobody walking around like trees. No two-step healing. And of course, the ending of Mark 8, because the man's been healed outside the village, Jesus sends him back into the village to go on with his life. But not in our reading for today. This man who is standing, sitting by the way, is told by Jesus that he can go his way because his faith has made him well, but the man realizes his way is no longer sitting by the side of the road begging. His way is Jesus's way. His way is now wherever his Lord and Master goes. That's where he wants to be. What has Jesus been teaching on this journey? In Mark 8, Mark 9, very thing that is all pulled together here, the call to follow him, the call to let him lead us, the call to become, you and I, people who live under the shadow of our gracious and merciful Lord. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus, looking at the rich young man, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. And now in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The word in every single one of these verses is akolotheo, to follow. It's from which we get our word acolyte. It's kind of a weird word, acolyte. What does an acolyte do? They follow the pastor around, quite literally, lighting the candles, holding the books, helping with the water, bringing out the napkins so we can wipe the people's heads when the water's pouring off them at the font. They follow you and I. Jesus is calling us to be 
acolytes to follow. But you cannot follow one whom you cannot see. It is not easy to follow anyone if you're blind. And that is precisely why Mark has taken these two miracles and bookended this travel journey with them. Do you understand, Mark is saying, the importance of being able to see? Why is Jesus giving sight to all of these blind people? Because that is all of us. We can't see who Jesus is. And until he gives us our sight back, we certainly cannot follow. The Pharisees couldn't get past what they had been taught to see in the law. They were blind. The crowds couldn't get past the miracles to seeing the miracle worker and the Messiah. And so Jesus has to keep telling people that he's cured. Don't tell anybody what has happened until they give them their sight. And the disciples could not see that Jesus had to suffer. He had to be crucified and on the third day rise again. Three times Jesus tells them this, and three times in Mark's gospel, the disciples are left there slack-jawed, looking at him like, whoa, surely not you, Lord. That doesn't make any sense. Because even though they were trying to acolyte Jesus, even they couldn't see. And that's our problem as sinful human beings. Why do you think there was a headline in Le Devoir this week that one out of every two Quebecers says they do not believe there's a God? Well, we can't see him. Well, of course you can't. And that is precisely the problem. We too are blind like that man in Jericho. We're sitting by the way crying out, Jesus, Davidson. That's where that word comes from, by the way, right? Son of David, have mercy on us. Only you can give us our sight. And as we sit there crying, is it not the world and even our very own sinful nature that are rebuking us, saying, just be quiet. Don't keep crying out. Don't bother the master. We've got more important things to do. And after all, what can Jesus do to help you? What help is there for you? What help is there for sinners who are blind, who cannot see? The 1700s in England, there was a young man who at 11 years old found himself working in the merchant marines. How many of you are younger than 11 right now? Yeah. You ready to be a merchant mariner? It's coming up real fast. And as he found himself doing this, he found himself in a lot of hot water and trouble because in his own words, he was guilty of unsettled behavior and impatience of restraint. Couldn't take orders. So what do you do with a kid who can't take orders? Well, in his teen years, he got called up to serve in the Royal Navy. And he ended up rebelling against the Navy's strict discipline and he deserted. And then he was caught. And as they did back then with people that deserted from the military, he was put in irons and flogged. Without a lot of options left, he convinced his superiors to discharge him to let him go and work on slaving ships, transporting captured 
humans from Africa to bring them to England. And after many years working as a slaver on slave trade vessels, he found himself overtaken by an enormous storm and he feared for his life. But he had started reading Thomas Akempis's The Imitation of Christ. And in that storm, kind of like Martin Luther, he became a Christian, although he said not a very good one. That would come later when he finally left his life as a sailor, went to work in an office, then became an Anglican priest, and then became a famous abolitionist and started writing hymns to end the slave trade and encourage Parliament to move against it. The most famous of all of John Newton's hymns, we will sing in just a few moments. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. It is not, you see, that Jesus is not at work, or that God has abandoned us or can't be found. The problem is that we are blind. We cannot see. And when we can't see Christ, we can't see not only God, but our neighbor. And that is precisely why Jesus calls us. Calls us to follow him, and in that call, heals us, and gives us our sight back. What do you want me to do for you? It's what Jesus asks each and every one of us every day. And what can be our answer except give us our sight? Help us see you rightly. Help us see our sin rightly. Help us see our world and its needs rightly. And when we pray that prayer, Jesus does. He speaks his word to us. He tells us of himself and his love and his grace and his mercy. He tells us of his redemption. He tells us of his desire that we would take up our cross, sell our riches, and follow him. And we get up and we join Jesus on the way. The way which is going to Jerusalem the way which goes to the cross, the way which finally for each and every one of us is going to go to our grave, the grave that one day we will stand over empty and we will see with these eyes the redemption of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening and God bless your week. Thank you.